from the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is The Relevant Podcast. It's Tuesday, June 11, 2019, and it's The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and here with me in our Orlando studios. On the ones and twos, our illustrious engineer, my brother, Chandler Strang. Hello. Over there on the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. Uh, from Nashville, Tennessee, Tyler Huckabee. Hey, everybody. And just on the road there in Nashville, author, speaker, podcaster, cowgirl extraordinaire, Annie right. F. Downs. Good morning, gents. Annie, we missed you last week. I did not enjoy doing two podcasts without you. Uh, listen, I didn't enjoy what y'all did without me. So <laughs> wow. I'd say you're in the you're in the majority because yeah. uh, we, yeah, yeah, we yeah. do not usually so. I do not usually get tagged in the negative reviews of the podcast episodes. <laughs> right. uh, usually people are nice. I think because usually you know even if the pod is bad, I'm pretty good on it. But uh, but but in this case, the fans were were unhappy and and everybody had the same reason. It's because I, you weren't around. This, this is called That's agreeing right. to disagree because I shined like the brightest diamond there is and. Uh, <laughs> You know, and do I do I think it's off brand? Do I think it, it was not courteous to listeners? Do I think it was just odd that I chose to talk about Rambo, uh, a film trailer at so length? So long, at length. So the long. answer is no. This the is answer where, is no. It's a hard it no, was, Annie. It can was say, long. it was pretty long. Can I say? Can I say behind the scenes though? This is not Jesse's fault. This is Chandler because <laughs> we recorded on oh. Tuesday, the day the show had to go out, so we didn't have our right? normal window of crafting that we do in the post-production. So Chandler had to do a rush edit, right? Mm -hmm. Which when he does a rush edit, he's just kind of like hitting fast forward on it. So normally what people, what people listen to. Chandler's like, nope, I purposely left all that. I think he nailed it. I think it was, (laughs) it was the light touch that the, that episode deserved. The light touch. No, that normally Jesse does go on these 35 minute rants about things that on the final show end up being six minutes. And everybody's like, Oh, he's so funny and Brilliant. And we're like, we sat through 35 minutes of that. Listen, the reason they, they chop me up and then butcher me isn't for quality reasons. It's because there's just some listeners that can't handle what I have to say. Yeah, it's because we're taste. jealous that we can't do that for 35 Some people minutes. Are just are ready to drink from the fire hose, and that's so, not my problem. So for everybody mm. who hits us up from now on again, and they say like, hey, what you guys should do an unedited show, or you guys should just like let it ride. What you experienced last Tuesday is letting it ride. And that even had editing done to it. Listen, listen, if you don't count the burner accounts that I set up to say those exact words, there were at least (laughs) four people who I mean, I got so tickled. Literally, all of a sudden, my Twitter blew up with people going like, Annie, where are you? Annie, what's (laughs) happening? Annie, do you know what's going on in your absence? And I was like, these guys. What can I do? Uh, Andy, what, what movie do you would you feel most uh, comfortable going off on a thirty-five minute? <laughs> which movie? What or film no. franchise? Uh, How about this? this How, which case? movie? Do you feel like trailer? You really, Not even the actual oh, yeah, film. Yeah. Just a two-minute trailer. <laughs> but remember that trailer contains a heavy metal don't remix. St- don't, of old don't, don't, don't. No, this is why I'm here. We're not starting it again. We're not starting it again. No. We oh. Rambo gets one one sighting a year when I'm uh, out of town and able yeah. unable to be on, no, and that was a, last week. A, and we're done there. Shame. Thank you. Oh wow. And the wow. answer is you've got mail, Tyler. The answer is okay, you've got mail. Just so you know, the answer 
yeah, yeah, you got thank me. you for coming back. I didn't want to ask again because it sounds sounded like that was going to go down a, a, a hole we didn't want to go you down. You got mail. Oh, yeah. 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 Does Tom Hanks punch anybody's head off and you got mail? Okay, Stop. that's where I saw it. Thank you. Today on the show. Cameron, do something. We have a great show in store for you, but I got to come back to Tom Hanks in a second. Uh, coming no. up later, Phil, yes, Phil Wickham is joining us today huh. on the show. He has a new live worship project, and it's not just Phil Wickham. He's got Brian and Jen Johnson on it. He's got Matt Redman on it, uh, and we talked to him about the project. Uh, yeah, I love, Wickham, I love it. It's a great trip down. It's like acoustic. It's it's awesome. I mean, people we, have had, we have had countless Christian music stars come through our studios over the years to do podcast performances, and I would say none are better looking than Phil Wickham. He's that's, handsome. That's isn't probably he? true. He's a great. He's looking a good character. looking. He's a good looking. He guy. is. I'll say this. He is a handsome devil. And you will, as you know, I don't want to give too much of the interview away, but we talked about his his appearance for the entirety of the conversation. Did you? Oh, get out of here! <laughs> Thirty minutes of his of his skincare routine. I don't know how to tell you this. Tom Hanks connection. You've mentioned you got mail. Tom yeah. Hanks. He's he's a legend. He's a legend. Well, I spent the majority of the weekend in the hospital with a friend is uh, the hospital right near my house here in Orlando. And last night, the nurses were all at Twitter. There was a buzz going on on the floor. And I was like, what's going on? And they said, Tom Hanks and Tim Allen are in the hospital right now. Oh, and, oh to promote Toy Story to hospital people? They were visiting the children's <laughs> ward. Uh, at this hospital, the big one here in Orlando, well, we have several, but this one's called Advent Health. It's a Christian um, hospital. They have a children's hospital that has a Walt Disney pavilion. And so Disney brought Tom Hanks and Tim Allen to come visit the sick kids last night. Adorable. So all the nurses are trying to figure out how they can go, you know, catch a glimpse yeah. of Tom, Tom Hanks. Yeah, sure. And so, but not I, Tim Allen? I would think it would be Tim Allen, too, just because he's, he's biased. Yeah, no. So I went with him. I went with him. I went looking. I went looking to see if I could catch a glimpse of old, old, old Tommy. Nah, I missed him. None. Well, my, my, my fun fact, my sister-in-law actually works at that very hospital and said that they get celebrity. They get uh, That's like a, a stop for like this, a lot of the celebrities that come through Orlando sure. to visit the children's world. She said Lauren Daigle was just there recently and just you know hung out with the kids for a while. So very, it's very cool. Something that I, oh. uh, along the sort of same line, something that I just uh, recently realized while I was getting, I was doing some Toy Story 4 prep here, and this probably <laughs> happens more than I, than I think it does, but at no point in any of these now four movies that, that Tim Allen and Tom Hanks have been a part of, have they recorded in the same studio together? They, all, they record all their... It has not happened. They record all their lines independently of each other. Not because they don't like it. I mean, they might not like each other. I don't know. But be, just because that they don't need each other. That You can just come in, say your lines, and leave. And they can... Via the magic of Pixar's post-production, I mean, it, I know it's the same thing we do here. We don't actually talk to each other, but but it still <laughs> feels like it. It still feels, you know, for these are big movies. We we all have meticulously crafted scripts that I write right. the night before the podcast <laughs> that are edited, and you guys read them verbatim. Every Literally, week. no I mean, one believes that. I Everyone knows this. this thing is I, not scripted. It, 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 I I start writing the the next episode script the moments the next podcast, and I haven't slept in three and a half years right now. It's been. <laughs> <laughs> did you see speaking of Pixar did and and how they record it did you see uh the Letterman interview with Ellen uh, the, the, on Netflix the no, Letterman I did it yeah, yeah I really so, did so so we we posted part of it where she talked about mm -hmm. for the first time publicly talked about a, pa a sexual abuse she went through in her past but one of the interesting things was 
they were talking about the point in her career where she came out. She had a sitcom on ABC and there was an episode on it where she, the character on the show came out and then at yeah. the same time she came out. This show got canceled. She basically got blacklisted in Hollywood. She said for three years, she couldn't get any work. No work. And she said during that season, she moved back to Ohio. And the one thing that happened was she got reached out to by one of the Pixar writers who's working on a new movie called Finding Nemo. And he, while he was writing the script, had this fish character that was kind of forgetful and, and all this stuff. And he's like, how do I how can I deliver this character where it doesn't feel insensitive to like somebody mm. who, you know, might have actual mental uh, actual issues. Right? Yeah. issues. And yeah. so he said he was writing it and he heard Ellen's voice, like the TV was on in the other room or whatever. And he's like, that's the voice of Dory. Like that's oh, it wow. right there. Because her comedy is very much scattered train of thought. If you see her old stand up, it's like like when she had the mullet and everything. It was yeah. very much kind of like she's going one just direction and then jumps. Holes. It's yeah. just all over the place. Scattered. And it was like, that's it. Dory's scattered. She's not like a mental issue. Yeah. It's she's scattered. And so he reached out to her. She was living in Ohio. Couldn't get any employment. He reached out to her and said, would you do the voice of this character? She said, yes, I need a job. She got scale. What she said to Letterman was for three years of work, she got paid $75,000 total. Oh, oh my wow. gosh. Isn't that wild? Isn't yeah. that crazy? That is insane. 70, 25 grand a year to do what became a multi, multi right. hundreds of millions yeah. of dollar franchise. And, and I, I was not aware. I mean, I guess I just because I was kind of young at the time, but I, I was not aware that Finding Nemo predated the talk show, like her return. Yeah, you know, now I didn't she's realize Ellen. that either. You know, she's, yeah, right. So there was, because there was a gap between Ellen, the, the sitcom character, and Ellen as we think of her today, the multimedia conglomerate. I, I do want to mention one other thing about Ellen. I saw like... Someone was doing some sort of like listicle about the rise of old the you know that that the, the rise of how Old Town Road became like a thing so quick and like I guess Ellen had played it one day on her show and Little Nas X the 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 person behind Maybe Old Town Road tweeted yeah he tweeted oh my gosh I can't believe my song just got played by Ellen the Generous <laughs> and it's very unclear if he doesn't if, if he actually thinks her name is Ellen the Generous like, should be that's like, a great yeah, I mean, conceivably he's like 20 years old right yeah, so conceivably he didn't like grow up with you know with Ellen right. DeGeneres the actress he grew up with Ellen the, the talk show host who frequently gives away awesome things on her show so conceivably he wasn't kidding when he when he was excited to be mentioned by Ellen the right. generous you know <laughs> what so. one of the things I've learned spending the last week off and on in the hospital is that you have a lot of time on your hands sure. right? yeah you're just sitting there and and so got got the old Netflix fired up mm-hmm. and and I watched not only all these lettermans but I watched um because they talked about it I watched Ellen's stand up her return stand-up special relatable, oh yeah yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah and it is it is one of the most brilliantly crafted bits, you know, hour of, hours of comedy I've ever Fantastic. heard. It was un- really it was crafted narrative arc like a like a sitcom. It was unbelievable how strong it was, and she hasn't done it in sixteen yeah. years. Yeah, it was in. She was at the top of her game, and she doesn't do stand up. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was so good. So I would I would actually advocate, even if you're not an Ellen fan, go check out Relatable. Her new her, her new special is really great. Okay, Jesse, you know what we haven't talked about either is what? Live PD on This American Life. Dude, my Live PD uh, fascination's over. It is. Do dumb. y'all know this? Did y'all listen to this episode? 
No, I don't know what we're talking I, about. Me and Jesse, oh a, a bit of a text storm between the two of us. Yeah. Meaning okay. he responded and I responded. <laughs> uh, because Whoa. I sent a text, he responded, I responded. Okay. That was the right, fullness yeah, of our it. storm. Uh, that Live PD is like targets people. Am I saying that correctly, Jesse? Based on the NPR, based on the This American Life research, it, they, if they we're going to give up on something, I'm giving up on Live yeah. PD and let's Goop can, in the same I, day. I, I'm totally fine oh. canceling Live PD. Like, let, let's uh, like, like, can you please explain both what the yeah. show is, your love of it last season. So, and so Live, I don't know. Live oh, PD yeah, is yeah, is yeah. a is a show that purports to to cut around to cameramen around the country who are, uh, you know, live serving their communities, you know, up to the minute. So imagine like if you ever watch NFL Red Zone where there's a bunch of football games going around the country, they cut around and they have like a control room where experts right. are telling you what's happened. And right. so, you know, they'll, they'll have the people in the studio and they'll be like, okay, now let's go to Birmingham, Alabama, where a pursuit is in process. And you go and you and you jump into the pursuit and it's, it's thrilling to watch live and it's developed this huge cult following. Like with they were saying on uh, and it's live uh, every Friday night and Saturday night. Every Friday night and Saturday night. But it's, it's my companion a lot of nights when I'm done speaking at a conference or an event. Get back to my hotel, snuggle up, turn on a little live PD, text Jesse some things that I'm learning, and that's it, pretty it much is how enthralling. We get <laughs> it is enthralling television. Like I love it. But this new investigation into them uh, and the show Cops has shown like just yes. how like unethical they are. Not only is it not really live, like what you're watching. Watching is on like a something like a forty minute delay. Sometimes well, that's, they, that that feels a well, little bit fair. I think that yeah, I mean, if somebody got shot on live that's TV, the, we listen, couldn't handle it. I'm not asking you when you get shot, but the thrill of the show is that anything can happen at any moment. You know, like we could see like a really great chase or something like that, or you know, just someone committing a preposterous crime. I, still, again, I'm not against that. I mean, the Oscars well, is delayed. I mean, it's like you, you can't. That wasn't you can't, your biggest problem, Jesse. No, your biggest no, problem went in the delay. Well, no, but but the other the other problem is some of it was shot weeks ago and they just yeah. keep they just keep like really good arrests and be like earlier. And like they insinuate that it was earlier that evening, even though it was weeks ago. The other thing, too, is, you know, that they they, they made the accusation specifically about cops. But the implication is live PD does it, too, is that the people are pressured into giving consent into yeah, their faces being shown. Too. Like the cops will be like, well, maybe some of these charges will get dropped if you sign the release form that you can be on live PD. And basically these producers manipulating people who technically haven't been found guilty of committing any crime. Like, you know, there's they, they lose their presumption of innocence and are, are then are sort of manipulated into signing release forms. Right. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these people have had their lives ruined because they come weird. Li- like live PD has, has such a cult following that some of these like perpetrators traders are like weird celebrities in their own right but you don't want to be a celebrity the policemen are too when you look up the policemen on instagram i would hear this uh, fine i do this <laughs> when you look up the policemen on instagram they all have thousands and tens of thousands of followers because people follow them because of their live pd appearances yeah I, and so it, they were all yeah anyway so I I, I, if you're gonna make me quit goop then i'm also gonna for sure have to quit Live PD. I'm quitting. I'm quitting. And I feel bad because I was a big advocate for this show. I was part of Live Nation, you know. I was part of Live Nation too. And, you know, it breaks my heart, but I gotta, I gotta give up on Live PD. It seems too unethical, you know. 
We apologize to everybody who was led astray by our endorsement, the relevant endorsement of Live PD and Flat Earth. We're sorry for both of the groups of people who I usually us. don't. I usually don't apologize. My preferred method is to double down. Uh, that's the era that we're in. But I will apologize because <laughs> this show seems really. That is, I do appreciate your double downness, though. Yeah. All right. Well, that'll do it for our TV recap. (laughs) Stay tuned. Up next, slices. Listening to Tame Impala, the song is Patience. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Avicii featuring Arizona with the song Hold the Line. Hey, today's episode is brought to you by Quip. Are you looking for something to give your dad or celebrate a new grad in your life? This June, you have to buy some presents. Get them a one size fits all gift like a new oral health routine with Quip. The guiding features make sticking to good habits simple. And signing them up for a subscription helps them save and refresh the brush on time. With the Quip Electric Toothbrush, you can show your thanks where it really counts. Quip is one of the first electric toothbrushes accepted by the American Dental Association. They're backed by over 25,000 dental professionals and have thousands of verified five-star reviews. It's like if Apple or Tesla designed a toothbrush. It's It looks great. It's high quality. And the great thing is, is with the... Uh, for just five bucks, they will. You can sign up for a Quip uh, subscription, where they will replace your Quip toothbrush head every three months, which is what you should be doing. Um, right now, Quip is offering relevant podcast listeners a special deal. You can join over one million happy, healthy mouths and sign up for Quip. Quip starts at just twenty-five bucks, and when you go to getquip.com/relevant right now, you can get your first refill pack for free. So that's G E T Q U I P dot com slash relevant makes a great gift do you guys know what you're getting your dad for uh father's day do now <laughs> yeah, there you I, mean, go. I know exactly that was, what a, I'm that was a very that was a very compelling yeah, exactly. honestly so. and years past when like harry's sponsored the show got dad harry's <laughs> when uh <laughs> we uh, the, the quip that's it i'm, it's I'm perfect. in it's because perfect. no, no dad's it. gonna open that up and be like Oh, what is this? They're like, oh, cool, a sweet toothbrush. Yeah, that's, I'll a, take that's, it. A, that's a good. One. My dad, my dad's a listener, so I can't, you know, I can't reveal. Hey, See, I don't want to get into it too much. Now he knows but, you spent twenty five bucks dad, on his Father's Day present. And I will, I, I will be using this. So we already celebrated. So we. What'd you get him? What'd you get him, Annie? She actually Time just leaned me. over and brushed his teeth for him <laughs> as an act like watching his feet cleaning. Deep yeah. teeth cleaning. Yeah. Dad, I too will be gifting you a, a personalized toothbrushing from Annie F. <laughs> <laughs> I hate everything. All right. It's time for slices. What do you have, Jesse? All right. Before we get to unlicensed dental hygienist Annie F. Downs, uh, I do want to, uh, which trust me, that is not something we're going to dabble in speaking from experience. Uh, it's not a good way to hustle up money, Annie. Um, the I do want to apologize for the last Rambo-less half hour. Now, uh, I am going to keep, I do I do have a twofer because I am me. And uh, the, the first one is related to okay, our literally, TV. Com- you need a relevant t-shirt that just says, I am me. And then the little podcast <laughs> Twofer. Parenthesis, twofer. So we'll keep on. It's apropos. We were talking about television because uh, 
Steven Spielberg has recently signed up to be a part of a new platform. There's a new streaming platform called, it's a horrible name if you ask me. Um, it's meant to be short for Quick Bites, uh, which sound like a, a 90s like lunchbox snack like Dunkaroos, Quick Bites. Yeah. Um, he's, <laughs> Steven Spielberg is signed on to be a part of this new platform called Quick Bites, which has sort of an interesting differentiation than other streaming platform. One, it's meant you know, pretty much only be watched on mobile devices. So this isn't something where, you know, they're planning on people using their, you know, smart TVs to watch uh, because, and it's specifically targeting people who are under the age of 35, because according to the CEO, Jeffrey Katzenberg, uh, if you're 25 to 35 years old, um, you're on your smartphone for over five hours a day. Uh, and how they're making content specific for the phones is that uh, every piece of individual program is only seven to 10 minutes long. So if you're watching a series, it can still be a longer series with chapters, but each episode of everything on the platform will live between the time frames of seven and 10 minutes. So like if you're waiting in like a doctor's office, if you're getting your teeth cleaned by Annie uh, for an under the... <laughs> You know, you respond to her Craigslist ad about that. Um, you know, these are the perfect <laughs> these, these are the perfect things to consume because they're right in that time frame where maybe you not have an episode. You might not have an ep- uh, enough time for an episode of Stranger Things, but you got something on uh, Quibi, which is what it's called. Well, Steven Spielberg's uh, idea for a show leans even further into um, the whole construct of being only developed on mobile devices in addition to being broken up into 12 12 chapters that are around 10 minutes each it's going to be um something that he says is quote super scary but again this is spielberg so super scary is like jaws and stuff you know or jurassic park he's not really you know the gore type of guy he he does more of like the you know uh suspense thrillers yeah exactly so because of that though there is a twist in that uh, he wants people only to be able to watch it at dark, in the dark. Like he wants, this isn't like, he feels like it will enhance the show if you can only watch it at nighttime. So the the app that delivers it, the Quibi app, will actually look at what time it is uh, based on your geolocation on your phone and to see, if, and if the sun hasn't gone down yet, or if the sun has risen, Steven Spielberg's show will not be available. It will only be available in nighttime hours. It sounds like a gimmick, but it's yeah, also it shows that like they're, you know, even like the big hitters, like a Steven Spielberg is looking for ways to hook people in the era of just a flood of content. You guys, you guys, Cameron, see I, hate Cameron, I hate it. Cameron okay. and Andy look very out on I, it. Listen, and I, listen, and I feel listen, pretty out on as it. As somebody who's been watching a lot of, video yeah. content yeah. on my mm-hmm. various devices over the last few days. Yeah. I, 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 and, and including uh, like in the middle of the night on my phone with headphones in, yeah. like I just, I don't want to watch TV content on my phone. I don't want to mm-hmm. have to hold it in my hand. Yeah. I, you know, like maybe a little web video, but I think anything over a minute, I just don't think that that's the platform for it or the, or the actual device for it. I mean, yeah. laptop, iPad, pop it up onto an actual television. Sure. But like having to, I, I just don't get it. I, I think this is going to be a big, you know, this feels like the dot-com boom bust. Like yeah. just like people are throwing money at like bad ideas. This isn't what people want. People want to watch TV content like with their feet up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't know. 
Yeah, I and I'm well, and frighteningly or concerningly, this has already raised a billion dollars in, in preparation for their April. Well, it just also wow. feels like it's something that's going to encourage loneliness and bad sleeping behavior and all these things that the internet and that social media and our devices are already being accused of and found guilty of. It feels like it will increase all the worst parts of how the distracted these lifestyle devices thing. are changing our humanness. Yeah. The yeah. distractedness of it all. Like yeah, I do, I, I do it. feel like we're at the prep precipice of social media and the free internet, quote unquote, changing radically, both through yeah. government regulation, through like the clamping down of you know the transaction that you have with social media and Google and everything is this awesome service is free because you are giving up a ton, and I think that will hit. I think that will come to the surface, and there will be a a more of a transaction, tangible transaction for a lot of these services, which will completely stifle their u- ubiquitous usage. In yeah. my opinion, I think we're on the, Ow. I think we're going to see the breakup of social media, but we are habitually trained to be on our devices all the time now. So I think there will be a void that other things can come in to distract us on our phones. I just don't know that it's 10 minute long TV shows. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I do I think I want to remind people to read books and like draw and and sleep like all these things that seven to 10 minutes at night you should be doing instead. I know, but like, I think think the, that ship has sailed. People are going to get into bed and look at their phone for 10 minutes before with the lights out before they put it down and fall asleep. You know, I don't do that. And if you're not gonna, for the people who do, you know, let's say for example, you know, Twitter or Instagram or something becomes changes significantly or gets regulated or, you know, whatever, something else will fill that route, that habitual routine spot. You know, yeah. I, but again, is it a scary high production value 10 minute TV show? I doubt it. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, well Andy, no, it's I, interesting. I, I used the, it's interesting. You use the phrase devices changing our humanness because that brings me to slice number two. This one comes to us from the Mayo Clinic. And before anyone kind of um, prejudges this, I'll, I'll kind of re- read it out. They have their researchers have developed a implantable device that you can implant uh, in a certain part of people's brains. And it is shown to dramatically enhance their ability to remember things. Uh, Sometimes almost up to 20% better. Um, How it works is the device, uh, you know, senses brain activity and will find if it's quote, a suboptimal, a suboptimal brain activity. If if it is like if your synapses in your brain are sending messages to each other uh, and this part of the brain that they know is associated with memory, they the device will send a zap just to that part of the brain that you won't actually feel, but it will enhance the signal itself to make sure that the signal is stronger and the memory will be implanted more deeply into your head. And they've actually found that this works pretty well. Uh, As one researcher said, just like meteorologists predict the weather by putting sensors in the environment that measure humidity and wind and temperature, we put sensors in the brain and measure electrical signals. Now, right now, the use isn't going to be, you know, hypothetically for someone who just wants to have a better memory. They're actually seeing it as a solution for people who have suffered from traumatic brain injuries and have lost memory function function, you know, that that is meant to be there. Um, and so that's the idea for it. But hypothetically, 
this could be implanted into the brain of someone who's perfectly healthy that just wants to enhance uh, their ability to remember or be be sharper. Uh, I was interested to see what your guys' thoughts are on something, this kind of meld of technology and, you know, bio design by God. By God. Well, I mean, like, you know, our own technology yeah. with you know, the actual functions of the neurological okay. system, you know, mm-hmm. at what point is, or at what point does enhancement neural enhancement move into, uh, playing God in a, in a dangerous way. And what yeah. are the ethical, the theological ethical considerations of this type of technology? Be- because like, it's one thing if you're restoring activity to someone who's suffered a traumatic injury but like if this technology is there if we you know we think that ultimately like the soul exists like in in the mind you know like your personhood ultimately is you know if you had to pinpoint it to a physical location would be in your mind once you start kind of tampering with that to a certain degree do you risk losing part of your own sort of humanity yes you, you think so? You think so? Yeah, I just am. I mean, yeah, I mean, I again, this is one of those moments where we have eight seconds to think about a big topic and then per, <laughs> and then send it out to a lot and, of listeners. And you've already and dropped who, the ball on the Rambo confo. So sure, the pressure sure. is on now. It just feels like one of a, a spiritual discipline we get to choose in our generation is choosing to remain more human and less computer. Mm. And I kind of want to do that as much as possible. And that, I mean, but again, I'm with you that if there's an injury or if there's a way we can restore brain function, that feels different than me just wanting to remember better. So I zap myself. Yeah. 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 And it's, I mean, that's a simplification of it, but ultimately that's what the, the implications are is that you could have this count device. Me to simplify it, Jesse. No, no but no, no, but it's breaking it down. Yeah, but you're I mean, you're exactly right. That's basically what this device is doing on a very honed level. But it it does just open up more windows for conversations about bioethics, because it's one thing like, you know, uh, prosthetics or even, um, you know, 3D printed devices or, you know, nanotechnology that can restore like muscle fiber and things like that, you know, or, you know, nanoparticles that you can inject into the blood to target specific diseases. This is actually altering brain function. Which why it kind of opens up a whole new window for people to talk about the ethics behind it. So it's an interesting story, but it's actually being tested right now at the Mayo Clinic with a, a pretty high degree of success. So something to keep an eye out for. You know who's at the Mayo Clinic? Dr. Mike Huckabee, my own dad. So maybe when Andy goes up there ah. to give him his, his Father's Day present. We could get the, <laughs> the inside. Hey, listen, the, the while inside. you are cleaning his teeth. While you are cleaning his teeth. And he's, Wait, your dad works there? <laughs> yeah. Both my parents do, actually. My mom and dad. Wait, do we already know okay, that? Wait, wait. Dr. You've made Huckabee. The, hold on. You've made this Governor Mike Huckabee joke so much that you're now saying that your actual real father yeah, we're talking works. About the, we're talking about my biological dad. Here, not, my, not my spiritual father. Who's the former governor of Arkansas, Mike Huckabee. And, and can really slap that bass. Are no. your fa- is your, I know your dad's a doctor. Is your mother also a doctor? She's a nurse. She's an RN. Oh. Annie, yeah. let's yeah. practice. That's why I'm I so healthy. Be- 
What's your father's first name, Tyler? I'm going to hate it. It is Mike. Okay. So I am Mike Huckabee, Mike. not the former. I, I am him. You are I Dr. Have Mike Huckabee. Dr. Mike Huckabee. I have eaten popcorn. It is embedded deep between every tooth in my mouth. <laughs> and you have come to clean my teeth. And this is your chance, Annie, to ask me about these brain experiments. Please proceed. <laughs> You, no. you are you. Yes, you are you. I am Mike Huckabee. Yes. You are cleaning my teeth. Okay, your turn. I'm gonna. Uh, well, you aren't gonna be able to answer because no, your mouth you, is open. You, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, Doctor Mike Huckabee, <laughs> do you feel like these brain scan things? These what are they called? You already, where you can you already myself because I was just. I know. I was gonna get to the. I was trying to. It's too late. You were gonna be an idiot. How this was gonna go? I was just trying to play my part well. We can do it in post. Response is yes, and Annie. This is this is improvising. This is getting yes, and this one. I was, just, I was asking a real books. question, and then I was gonna let you do your stupid answer. I knew exactly what you're doing. Your stupid answer. Okay. All right. Let's try I, one more I time. Think Annie. It actually, Annie. ended up being funnier than it would have been. Yeah. I think it all worked. I think yeah. it one more try. One more try. The problem with your acting, Jesse, is you couldn't be patient for me to finish my part. Yeah, of I was Jesse's impatience ruined our timing. That was the joke. That was good. That was good. The ending was horrifying. Chandler, can you clip that together into a? Chandler, can you make us funny in post? I think it's all there. The setup, the punchline. I think it's all there. You just got to joke somewhere in there. Listen, Chandler, right now you are like Michelangelo staring at a formless block of marble. There's a beautiful sculpture in there. Your job is to free it. Yes. Okay? Amen. Your job is to free it. Now free that joke and make it beautiful. <laughs> free that joke. All right, what do you have, Andy? Um, well, let's keep talking about not becoming robots uh, as people <laughs> because it. they just released it from Australia. They just released a study that says you can change from being a night owl to an early bird in just a few weeks. But and all three of you are night owls, right? Am I remembering that correctly? Yeah, I've become. I would say I have actually transitioned to be yeah, more of a morning. Yeah, I'm a I go to bed pretty early yeah. days. They're yeah, Jesse. I mean, you days. have to because you have tiny people all the time. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I'm you don't have a choice. But this research they did with these uh, millennials, of course, it said that if you just simply tweak your sleeping pattern over a couple of weeks, you are able to literally switch your body clock. The, the people in the research were going to bed. Cameron, I think this is you. The first half, you don't get to sleep this late. But the average bedtime, average bedtime was 2.30 in the morning. 2.30? And the average wake up was 10.15. I was like, I wish I lived a life where I didn't have to wake up till 10.15. That's that freelancer lifestyle. Man, that is yeah, nice. Once you start doing some unlicensed oral hygiene work, you'd be surprised. You can make your own hours. Most of those the people want that Cameron work. Cameron goes to bed Done. at 2.30, but still has to get up at 5.30. That, well, that that is my Friday night, though. 2.30 to 10.15. I'll sleep in on a Saturday and a Sunday. You know what I mean? Like that. That's my joy. That's my zone right there. But you're right. During the work week, it's one-ish to yeah. I have to get up by 7. So you, 6.45. You should, yeah, that's... You should start going to bed earlier. So the way they say to do it is to back everything up by two hours. Whatever you're doing now, back it up by two hours. Go to bed two hours earlier. Get up two hours earlier. Eat breakfast as soon as you wake up and eat dinner at no later than 7 p.m. And that'll that and doing that for a couple of weeks will get your body clock into a morning, an early bird body clock, which I actually 
I've only been an early bird probably. Well, yeah, I've been an early bird my whole adult life and I absolutely love it. And really? you know what the great news is? Because you said you would love a job that would let you stay awake till oh. 2.30 in the morning and sleep till exactly. 10.30. From my yeah. experience, putting up a Craigslist ad that says, clean your choppas, dollar sign, dollar sign, dollar sign. Uh, most people who solicit unlicensed oral hygiene <laughs> professionals uh, like to do it very, very late at night in very weird locations. So it's the perfect feel for you. <laughs> no, I'm an early bird. I have to get them right yeah. when they wake up. Oh well, before they go into before they go into their before jobs. they go to work, I'm going to get that's the morning the, brush in on everybody. That's the crack at noon because these weirdos, uh, you know, they got stuff <laughs> going on all night. So these <laughs> weirdos. But you'd have to want it. You'd have to like want to tweak your. So you're saying like if you have the if you have enough if you have the willpower yeah. and the yes. desire, like you know what, I'm tired of being a night owl. This isn't fun, like, uh, this this isn't for me anymore. I'm missing too much of the world. I'm I never get to brunch, etc. Yeah, mm. yeah. I'm trying to think of what under what circumstance. For me, I feel, feel like it's kind of happened na- kind of naturally in my 30s. I've just yes. enjoyed I waking age, up earlier. But Cameron and, is our is our proof that that's not true because he's a grown adult and he the, wants to stay up until two o'clock in the morning. I don't say I want true. to. No, it's my it's the way my brain works. It's like I'm I'm working all day and then I immediately am in dad mode until he goes to bed at eight thirty. And then it takes me a literally like a couple of hours of just shut my brain off, watch stupid TV or sports or something to like, you know, recalibrate from the day. And then somewhere around 11 or 12, my brain starts the fun what if thinking and I'll be researching something or I'll be working on some design or putting together a Squarespace website or just something that's fun for me. Right. And that usually goes for a couple of hours. And so that's well, like this, this research says that if you back everything up, that will happen in the late afternoon instead of at night. But I can't, is what they but claim. I can't they do claim that. that your middle of the night peak backs up to the middle of the afternoon if you change your sleeping. Pattern. But I can't do the me personal creative what if stuff during the workday. You know, like I need to focus on my job. So to me, I don't know when I can, other than removing my a couple of hours of TV feed up decompression, but I enjoy that, you know, so I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, Usually okay. my only creative window is that, you know, about 25 minute uh, span where that drifter is cleaning my teeth. And uh, <laughs> I just let my mind wander and not worry about the things he's doing to my mouth. And just, everything. He's done some lasting damage. I don't know why I keep paying him. This is the stuff everyone's wishing I would put a full stop to. This is the Rambo of June. Everybody gets, everybody gets what they want on this podcast. There's something for everybody. That's good. All right. What, what do you have, Governor Huckabee? Uh, okay. Well, th- thank you for... Uh, Finally, somebody appreciates my actual <laughs> title here. Um, so this is this is interesting. This opened up uh, this slice opened up a whole world that I was not really aware of. Um, but it, this comes to us from across the pond, where uh, um, the the Church of England is. Uh, I didn't know this, but they have they have a, a pretty huge uh, pot of money, uh, about sixteen billion U.S. dollar U.S. dollars that they oversee billion? and they invest it. 16 with a B billion. Oh my gosh. That's yeah. It's insane because there's a, uh, I, I believe there is actually, if you live in England, then some of your tax dollars do end up going to the church. There's a, there's a mm. church tax there. So they have a lot of money and they invest it. They have, they have a lot of different investment opportunities and they have some rules about what they will and won't invest in. Obviously, uh, they, they, uh, there's some, there's what these, what are called sin stocks, what are known as sin stocks, which is anything that has sort of a, a legally or ethically 
likely gray area that the church then will actually choose to not invest in. And they'll make a big uh, announcement about why they're not investing in it, why this is wrong, uh, why nobody should invest in it. Uh, mm-hmm. And then they have some things that are a little more gray, maybe not quite as like, uh, maybe it's not black or white, but it's gray. And for those things, they have a 10% rule. They won't invest, uh, they won't do more than 10% investments in those. And now they just added um, a new, they, they just made an announcement about what they're going to allow a, a new investment opportunity that has now become permissible under uh, church law that was not permissible until now. Any guesses about what that might Conser- be? Conservative politics. <laughs> Base, the, they're yeah. investing mid, in mid ambiguous, ambiguous press conferences yeah mid 2000s rock and roll obviously <laughs> <laughs> the answer is uh is medical marijuana the church of england really? will now start will be joining with a lot of other investors and will is now open open to the idea of not recreational but will will begin to invest in mer- medical marijuana companies uh saying that this can because they recognize according to them that this these actually provide a lot of good for people in the world and that they think that this is permissible under church doctrine now to if not smoke it which the church has not uh spoken in on recently uh to at least have some stocks in it because it's a very it's going to very quickly uh they believe and i think most financial experts would probably agree uh as this grows increase as the legalization sort of changes around the world uh this is going to become a big business i'm as a as a christian i mean i've never participated or or experienced marijuana but but as a christian i have a hard time uh thinking that it's not okay you know like for for what the church of england is saying i mean it's like not just good investment money-wise but the natural substance. There's a lot of proven HTC healing qualities, you know, with anxiety and pain and things like that. And it's just tough to kind of go, it's kind of tough to dismiss it as it's bad. It's, you know, it's completely natural. It's not a pharmaceutical. Yeah. It's not a synthetic. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's God made, not man-made. I just like, it's tough for me to like understand why, you know, maybe like liquor is legal and, and, and it is not. So it's kind of done makes I don't have a problem with it. Yeah. Do you I mean, draw a distinction between between medical and recreational? Would you say there's a? I would a, say I, theologically I speaking, is there a, is there a distinction there? I think the Bible talks about like drunkenness and stuff, and like when you are, are you know have lost control of your of your you're not in control anymore. I, I think that's I think that's I think that's a dangerous slippery slope where you're not in control anymore, whether it be alcohol or any other substance, but. Uh, yeah, again, I've never used it. I don't know. And there may be people listening and I don't mean to endorse something that might be a uh, stumbling block or problematic. And I don't mean to yeah, offend anybody. Yeah, which is always the case. Because the Bible does like talk this. about too, like not causing your brother to stumble. And like that is a big thing for for me, like even as a Christian or a Christian leader, like kind of trying to portray a lifestyle that you would want others to emulate. But, um, and do do your actions point people to Jesus? I mean, that would be another thing, do, you know. But, you know, as far as, I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't. It's not something that I've... I have a question. What's a stumbling block? And does anybody but Christians use that word? Is that a thing that used to exist that people actually stumbled over? Or is that just something we've decided to say? <laughs> well, you're saying like in the, in, the, in the ancient world, people would be walking down a road and it would yeah, almost be, be like, like oh, don't step up. Don't look oh, out for that. There's a stumbling it's block. It's like the red turtle shell. <laughs> yeah, it's like the red turtle shell of, yeah. you know, of Mario Kart. That, people, yeah. that in the Bible times, people, they didn't have like a banana peel. It would be right. like, hey, here's a stumbling block. Whoa, yeah. I didn't see yeah, that. Exactly. <laughs> the third stumbling that block came, today. Where does that come from? 
That feels very, I don't, I don't, I don't know anyone else who says that, but us. I, okay. I am sure that it's like hedge of protection, which sounds just weird, dumb, biblical. But then when you go back to the shepherd lifestyle and like Jesse and I experienced in Smollyland, yeah. there's literally thorny hedges that they take and, and they put yeah, around right. the pin of the, of the calves to protect them from the coyotes and the other things. And it's literally a hedge of protection. And you're like, okay, that's where it came from. I'm yeah. sure there's an origin story. We probably for stumbling have listeners blocks. yelling at us again. Uh, no, but Cameron, to your point, I do think it's interesting. Uh, like, you know, some of the most, the oldest, most uh, acclaimed like beers in the world are, were, have been our recipes developed by monks that funded right. their monasteries for hundreds and hundreds of years. I mean, that it's and, not, and, and, and again, not to condone, but a lot of the ancient Christian mystics also, you know, ate and did things that opened up some of their mind. And again, Christian thought and theology, you know, so it's yeah. like, you yeah, know, like there's a natural weird yeah, yeah, kind of yeah, yeah. hallucinogenic uh, mind altering. What's drugs. tough for what's tough for me to understand is the is the when you learn a lot more too about the suppression of the African American people in American history over the last two hundred years and how that minority group and impoverished communities were targeted in the drug war and stuff like that, that, you know, certain things are okay and certain things are not because of your societal class that all of a sudden now I'm going, well, how has that factored or filtered into our theology about those substances right. and mm -hmm. those experiences, you know? And so like, I'm honestly on a journey of learning about a lot of that stuff right now. Again, not like going out there, Hey, let's try everything. I'm not, I'm not yeah. advocating for that, but I'm trying to get more educated about why does our society say this is okay. And this is not from a Christian context. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've know. been I've been dabbling in Christian mysticism and taking a lot of those weird vitamins they sell at 7-Elevens <laughs> right by the cash register. Uh, last time I had three lone stallion pills that uh, set me back $25 at the gas station. I woke up four days later with a French guy cleaning my teeth. And I don't know what happened, <laughs> but I've steered so clear weird. ever since. I did have a pretty good oh, understanding nice. of the Gnostic Gospels when I woke up. But, you know, I still don't uh, want to encourage people dabbling. So, well, you know, sure. Yeah. For for what it's for what it's worth the uh, the the word uh, a stumbling block it doesn't look like there's really any sort of uh, it, it's always it, it's always just meant like something that would tr cause somebody else to like trip or stuff there's no like well back in ancient times they used to put these blocks in the road just just so you trip over them like, that that isn't <laughs> it's just it just, just means a rock that you trip over I think it just means yeah. Bible pranksters out there yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right that'll do it for slices stay tuned up next Phil welcome joins us don't you know to Litany. The song is My Dude. Phil Wickham recently teamed up with Matt Redmond and Bethel Music's Brian and Jen Johnson for a new stripped-down worship project, the fourth installment of his sing-along series. The visual album features, features live footage from the evening of the service where it was recorded and invites the listener to participate in the intimate worship performance. We recently spoke with Phil about the album and some of its more powerful tracks. Oh, you conquer the grave You free every cat 
I was really interested in how Phil came on this idea and why he wanted to do something where the vocals are turned down and it's this really stripped down community experience. And he explained to me that a few years ago, he was out on tour with Crowder and it was actually Crowder's request that he come on stage between acts on this tour and just play acoustic. And at the same time, he had released some some new music Phil had that was getting you know picked up in churches. So a lot of people at the concerts became familiar with these songs and that's when he kind of had the revelation about why this is such an effective form of worship. Here's what Phil said. Unbeknownst to me, some of these songs on this record were already kind of seeping into some churches and some different communities around the country. So even though it was just me and a guitar up on these stages throughout this tour, um, there's some really special moments happening where people would really start singing out. And there's something about the simplicity of it and how different it was from this big studio band recordings I was doing where I thought, man, I wish... I could capture this and just put it out. And so we did that with the first sing-along. Um, we, we did not put much time or effort or money or anything towards it. We, I just looked at the next, the next thing on my calendar where I was going to be playing just me solo on stage, and it was in Portland. And so we brought some mics and mic the crowd and just press record and didn't fix a thing. And uh, I, I figured, man, this was so quick and easy. No one's going to actually want to pay for this. So let's just give it away for free. And that was before like Spotify or, you know, music. People think all music should be free now pretty much, but this is before that happened. And um, man, like about a hundred thousand downloads later of the record, um, just from people going to my website and grabbing a free download of it, I figured, well, maybe there's, there's a place for this, you know? So since that sing along um, every three or so years, I've put one out and the heart of the whole thing is just, like keeping it super raw, super very real, no overdubs, no recutting of vocals, and just capture a group of people singing out to God together, where um, even in the mix, the, like the audience is pretty much as loud as my vocal, so people feel like they're kind of a part of it too, and they're in the room, or they're in their cars or their kitchens or whatever listening to this record. So, um, man, that's what Sing Along For is, just continuing that idea of just putting out some worship songs done in a really simple stripped down way um that hopefully help people connect to the heart of god phil wickham phil wickham discovered a bootleg recording that's, that's yeah, what you know that's here's the thing when you got it when you got a face like phil wickham you don't need much else yeah you don't even, it's true if yeah. i if i looked like him nobody would want me i wouldn't need any producers either the thing the thing about the bootlegs of sticking the mic in the crowd is it works if the people near the mic can sing and <laughs> yeah, that's a, it's a gamble. Exactly. It's, it's a roll of the dice. Or else you have a comedy album and both work. Uh, but it's weird, Tyler, that you mentioned his looks because the next four questions are about hair product. And here's what hair Phil product. No. But I did feel like, I feel like right now that's sort of countercultural going the stripped down method when worship a lot of times getting bigger and bigger, which there's nothing wrong with. But I wanted to get, and, and Phil's been a part of that. He plays with a lot of these big outfits. But I wanted to get his thoughts on why he feel like this stripped down format has such power and intimacy in the worship setting. Here's what he said. Sometimes when you like break it down to like, there's nothing really 
kind of worth looking at other than, you know, there's just me on stage. So there's nothing really for people to were like worth looking at or their attention going anywhere else other than like these giant lyrics on the back of the screen. Just me and stage. so, um, so there's something special, especially when people are used to kind of like the free for all fireworks going off thing, which I love. Um, there's something kind of shocking to the system when you, when you're like shoulder to shoulder, standing room only, you know, in this room and all that's happening is some guy strumming acoustic guitar and we're singing out, you know, Jesus, the anthem of my heart, Jesus, the anchor of my soul. And really the only thing to grab your attention is that lyric and that melody. There's something that like happens in a room. I think that breaks down like that, that thing that I have to work to break down so much like that thing between, you know, even though I'm on a stage and everybody else isn't like, we're all in this together, you know? Um, and sometimes that takes 30 minutes, 45 minutes to kind of get a, a group of people in that place where we're all in it together. But, um, on those sing-along nights, it's like I strum a chord and they're just ready to go. Yeah. Um, and so, and so I think there's probably a, a number of reasons behind that, but, Something about just simplify, simplifying and, and kind of shocking the system into like, oh yeah, like this is really like, all it's about is is what we're singing about, you know, and everything else and all, all that we can add is is kind is should kind of work towards getting people around this like common thread of like, oh yeah, Jesus, the anthem of my heart, you know. Yeah. Um. So the sing along things I think can help get there faster sometimes. The other thing too, I want you guys to notice his voice even sounds handsome. I don't know. I've never yeah, heard does, someone yeah. say your voice yeah. is handsome, but you did that's say a handsome that, voice. You did say before you tossed to his last answer that he, <laughs> you know, he's doing this stripped down thing, but he also plays with big outfits. And I was wondering if you asked him about his wardrobe choices as a follow-up to that observation. It's weird. I mean, he's starting to look like Elton John, like early 90s Elton John. It's it's quite distracting and a very odd choice considering, you know, the music is so stripped down. No, but I did but want... The contrast is a shock to the system. Yeah, exactly. That's what it is. It's, uh, it's stripped down acoustically, but if you look at him, he's, he's, wear, he's wearing he's, a giant bird It's costume, an artistic so statement. It's, very, it's an artistic statement. It's a statement. Yeah, he's dressed like a football mascot for reasons that are never addressed and never made clear. No, but I did... One of the songs I want to ask him about, and we'll actually come out of this question, you know, maybe uh, playing a clip of, of highest praise that he did with Matt Redman. Maybe you heard of him. Uh, here's a, a little background on the song highest praise, which I think is a highlight from the record. And then Matt Redman, who's also been in Southern California. Um, he, he moved out there out here recently. He, um, he and I have been writing songs here and there. And we had this idea of this really simple chorus called highest praise um, that came out of my pastor just saying, Hey, you know, we sing all these songs with all these amazing lyrics and metaphors and poetry. And, but there's a lot of new Christians that are in our church and it'd be cool if we had a song where it just kind of said, Hey, this is what we're doing. And so I was like, okay. So I literally wrote like sat down and wrote the first verse and chorus. Like if I was singing for a bunch of people that had no idea what was going on, I was writing a song for them. What would I write? You know? Yeah. So I sent that to Matt and, and he like fleshed out the rest of the song and sent it to me. I was like, yeah, it's awesome. Do you want to, do you want to come sing it at sing along? He's like, sure. You know, so this very kind of natural open-handed thing um, that just felt like, okay, what new songs am I excited about that I've been a part of? Who have I written them with? And, uh, and since Matt's already in California, Jonathan's already here. Like, um, just trying to like, almost, instead of trying to kind of pull this whole giant thing together and make it happen more, just kind of like 
God, like what, what have you been up to? And let's like, let's just kind of let that flow into what sing along is going to be. Yeah, so I, it was a real pleasure talking to Phil. You know, he's, you know, a lot of these songs were written with the Jesus Culture crew, but he also has Brennan, uh, Jen and Brian Johnson from Bethel on here. Like I said, he's got Matt Redman on here. He's a guy who crosses in and out a lot of these different worlds on the worship scene, but brings something really special to the table. And I really like how these albums, it's about the corporate experience. It's about entering into really intimate worship, uh, which is, is really refreshing to hear. And so people can go check it out. It's it's the album is Sing Along For, and it's out now. Sing Along For. All right. Well, that was Phil Wickham. Stay tuned. Up next, it's your feedback. Oh, boy. Oh, in the desert, they gave you the slip from Today's episode is also brought to you by Plant With Purpose. These people talk about taking care of the planet like it's a sacred calling. Because when we steward the earth, people thrive. And that's how we catch God's vision for when he called creation good. If we're not taking care of the planet, people suffer from poverty, hunger, climate change, and deforestation. This is a no-brainer. With your $22 a month, that's like a trip and a half to Chili's for Chandler. Plant with Purpose funds sustainable agriculture and deforestation reversal efforts in communities hit hardest by environmental challenges. Restoring the planet is one of the most effective ways to end poverty, and helping people is one of the most effective ways to protect the environment. So for just $22 a month, you can plant a small forest of empowerment. Learn more at plantwithpurpose.org slash relevant. Listening to Kishibashi. The song is F. Delano. Okay, it's time for your feedback. So la- last week we brought you the hard hitting news that we covered at Relevant last week uh, about the Catholic priest who reprimanded the women in church for wearing a tank top. And so we got talking about times we've been reprimanded, like in youth group and things like that in church, and asked you for times that you've been reprimanded in church. And, uh, Oh boy, you guys had a oh lot of boy. stories. People have been reprimanded in church. I mean, yo, I, I like, I'm proud of you all. I want to officially say something. We did not mean to open wounds of like harassment uh, by authority figures in the church. We didn't mean to open up old hurts. And for, I want to officially say to all the women who experienced some of the stories that you sent us, I I was shocked and I am sorry. I It was unbelievable some of the shame and some of the things that have been done and said to you by men in authority in the church. And I, and that was not our intent on this stupid question of the week. You know what I mean? We were just thinking about like times you got in trouble at youth group. You know what I mean? So you guys went real and we heard you and we saw it and wow. But uh, here's a few of the lighter replies. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Here you go. 
This is from Braxton, which this scene, like I've read this several times and I don't understand, uh, uh, you know, why, why this is that big of a deal. Braxton says uh, he Braxton admits he was a little bit over the top in high school. And the only way that I know he's over the top is he appears to be wearing Jinkos in this slice. That's his definition of over the top. A church bad boy. In other words, he said he once served communion in a big church of Christ, Christ contra, congregation where evidently, uh, um, you, you know, you have to be barefoot uh, because of, you know, ideas about, uh, you know, holy ground. But he was wearing his ultra wide jeans at the time. Again, that does not seem like a big deal to me. But a week later, he found right. out that his youth minister was, quote, ripped by a lot of the congregation for ultra wide jeans. I mean, <laughs> I would be upset about someone wearing ultra wide jeans. I am upset about people wearing ultra wide jeans, but not for church reasons. It's just youth pastor. Yeah, um, I like yeah. Zach. Zach sang in the children's choir and the children's choir would all sit together during the service and his parents were in the actual choir up in the choir loft. And he said that during the sermon, he made a sweet bulletin airplane (laughs) and his mom stood up in the choir loft and walked across the choir to get to come chastise her son. I mean, that mama was not playing that day. She was like, nope, everybody sees this plane. I'm taking it down. Wow. Coming off the the choir right. stand, the bleachers or whatever they're called. Man, this this was this. I, I can see how this one went down. Bethany says she got in trouble for having more Bible knowledge than the teacher in her young adult Bible study. Uh, she said, "I knew more than he did, and it made him feel quote emasculated." That that uh, yeah. Bethany, hats off. Hats off to you. That's yeah. just that's that just means you're a good the student outpaced the teacher there. That's, that's not right. your fault at all. That's awesome. Right. <laughs> Le- Levi said that he was once re- reprimanded for putting his armor around his fiance's shoulders during church. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, fiance. Were they, at were the they time, bare shoulders? They are now married, but at the time, fiance put his armor around her shoulders during church and got <laughs> reprimanded by the pastor's son. Unbelievable. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad that I'm glad the pastor's son had the nerve to do the right thing there. So uh, <laughs> those people. Um, from the, you know, oh, Ryan said that he in second grade, a boy punched him in the forehead. <laughs> Who punches oh, wow. people in the forehead? Punched him in the forehead over a girl in the church's school. And that night at midweek service, the senior pastor had him stand up in front of the congregation as the victor of the fight. <laughs> How in the was world? that getting was that getting chastised or was this he like saying this whole thing is making my hands sweat? I hate we, these we answers. We got the winner. Yeah, that's like that's like church. That's like Sunday school fight club. That is very close that's to right. Sunday school that's fight right. club. Like, I, a lot of these answers really are about you know women, young women in the church mm-hmm, getting mm-hmm. told that you're immodest and this that whatever and being shamed for it and stuff like that. And that really is angering me reading these replies yeah again well sorry. i'll tell you one that th- this is someone who deserved to be reprimanded cole i once got <laughs> called out in front of a fifteen thousand person youth group out of fifteen thousand person youth group conference for trying to take my shirt off during the sermon yeah that oh, was inappropriate yeah, cole. Yeah. that was a terrible got in trouble <laughs> you don't do that cole yeah, you, i also you should be removed this, from this the person conference. was also it sounded like deserved to, well they just got what was coming for them Andy said back in high school we had a christian pop punk band stop right there 
That that you should be the, a, a good shame, pastor. Shame. A good pastor would call you out for a Christian pop punk. But <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not even there. We played Listen, as a former member of Lap Seven, a Christian <laughs> pop punk band in high school. The seventh lap around the city of Jericho, the walls fell. Oh no! I did not know this. I knew about the college band. I did not know about Lap Seven. Wow, the lap high school pop seven. punk band. Yeah, oh. it's short lived, but man, we had some energy. Oh. We really can't got after it. Well, wow. did you have it's, this? Did you have this kind of energy? Andy said their 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 Christian pop punk band played at Falls Creek Cabin and got reprimanded because we caused the other campers. This is verbatim. We caused the other campers to mosh out of their control because of our crazy music. The the rock and roll energy of this Christian pop punk band was such that other campers, yeah. not even who apparently were not even part of the same camp, it sounds like, were were against their will moved into a mosh pit situation. <laughs> that, you know, they had no control like, over their bodies. That sounds like the devil's music. That's, exactly, oh my gosh. that's how it works. Sounds that's like a stumbling block. That was my band in middle school. Stumbling block. I like stumbling block. Stumbling block. She and all of her bandmates wore tank tops. Yeah, 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 we did. Shoulders, shoulders, right there. Yeah. You can see my shoulders. elbows. So much upper arm. It was really offensive. <laughs> All right, that'll do it for your feedback. There's a lot more, and I don't think you should go read it. I really don't. Just, <laughs> yeah. just, just be better. Just be better. Yeah, now. ignorance is bliss, and let's chart a new course for the future of the church. Um, all right, right. It's time for this week's editorial question of the week. So earlier in the show, we were talking about. Live PD, we're done with it. Now that we know how the sausage is made, mm-hmm. done. Canceled. Not interested. Mm-hmm. Now we're we're yeah. canceling stumble the term stumbling block. Hundred percent. That's right. We're we're can we're on a cancel culture binge today. <laughs> so we we want to know what you would add to the list. What else mm-hmm. should should be canceled from culture? Not not people. We're not, not talking humans. about people. We're not. No. Let's not make it real. Let's not make it hurtful. But what things, whether it be phrases we say or habits or things that are accepted in society or things that are popular, that we should just that 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 should never no more. exist. No more. Yeah, we got to be done I, with it. We got to be done with it. We got to move on. My, here's yeah. mine. Old Town Road. Just we got to be done with it. We got to move on. <laughs> we we just need to move on to something else. It's been number one Sold for on nine weeks. Insane. Okay, nine weeks. Insane. Yeah, it's an insane thing. Mine mine is required certifications for oral hygiene workers. I don't need the government telling me who and who isn't allowed to clean my teeth for money. That seems like an overreach of what the founding fathers intended when they drafted laws. Why on earth is to the government even be concerned about that? Someday, if you get a book deal, I want you to write the manifesto of your libertarian uh, treatise. very fringe. Yeah. And very like, French. Very what is yes. the platform of your political ideology? Because a good question. I think Big Floss would be really a major focal point. Oh, they're in the crosshairs <laughs> yeah, right, right now. They are in the. They, they, this is the kind of stuff that scares them, and this is why they double down on their absurd "quote unquote" studies about the "quote unquote" benefits of fighting "quote unquote" gum disease. Oh, oh we've heard gosh. it before. <laughs> we have heard it before. <laughs> Oh, All right, so okay. hit us up with the things that you would cancel from culture if you could. Just we're done, we move on. Not that it never existed. We can learn from our past mistakes, but now that we know what we know, we got to move on. All right, hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast. You can also post your longer list on the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. 
Many thanks to Quip for making the episode possible. Remember, Quip starts at just 25 bucks, And if you go to getquip.com slash relevant right now, you can get your first refill pack for free. Quip makes an awesome graduate or Father's Day present. Thanks also to Phil Wickham for joining us. His new album, Sing Along 4, is out now. Go get it. Well, on that note, we'll wrap things up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Chandler Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Tyler Huckabee. And I'm Annie F. Downs. We will see you on Friday. Have a good week, everyone. No there's no place of glory But dawn all come At the end of night Thank you for listening to The Relevant Podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Check out other shows from The Relevant Podcast Network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com. And while you're there, browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store. Make sure to subscribe to Relevant Magazine. Info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe. Relevant Podcast Network.